Good to have you along here. It is three and out on this Tuesday afternoon. Sorry about that, Ben. Had to turn the old headphones up. Christian's got those young ears. I got the, hey, you've been doing radio for two decades. Can't hear nothing. So I had to crank them up there real uh, real quick uh, to, uh, to, to get the job done there. But good to have you along here on this Tuesday, Braves and uh, the Phillies coming up later tonight. We'll talk certainly a lot about that. We'll look at the ACC. Uh, they've tried to fix their scheduling. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Roddy Jones will join us, uh, ESPN College Football Analyst, former Georgia Tech running back. Uh, he will join us, and we'll talk about that with him coming up in the final hour. And each Tuesday, as we do, we chat with Rich Stiles. Uh, Back Nine Boys Golf Show, you've got the PGA Tour, the John Deere Classic, and Live Golf is in America. I know people say the Saudi Tour, and everybody has this uh, notion that they're playing in like Yemen and Saudi Arabia all the time. No, they're in Portland, Oregon this week. The uh, the live tour. So we'll talk to uh, Rich about that. And they just ripped off three more guys uh, to come play uh, in this week's uh, golf tournament there in Oregon. So we'll get to that coming up on the show as well. But Ben, good to have you, uh, man. You can catch us uh, ESPNCoastal.com, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, ESPN Coastal there on YouTube, and of course all across the radio network. A lot of things happening with the Atlanta Braves. You got the Phillies. No Bryce Harper. He may be out. I'll say may be out because the Phillies kind of revised that. He may be out for the rest of the year with a uh, with a hand injury. The Braves put Kenley Jansen on 15-day IL with irregular heartbeat uh, today. So he's going to be gone. Ronald Acuna is not playing tonight. And you got some Freddie Freeman news uh, out there. That kind of confirms what we all knew. We'll get to that in a second. But, Ben, big series. You're five games behind the Mets, three games ahead of the Phillies in the division, and you're going to be without at least tonight Ronald Acuna, and you know Kenley Jansen is uh, going to be out your closer with that uh, irregular heartbeat, which uh, is concerning, but apparently something he has dealt with in the past. Well, Kevin, I mean, the thing is, too, when you start talking about when you start talking about baseball, right, in the Braves. It may be it may be a slow news cycle for college football or football, <laughs> and not 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 for baseball. Isn't it ironic that we got so focused on Braves keeping pace with the Mets? Braves keeping those Phillies was like, wait a minute, but we got to keep pace with the Braves. And this what the Phillies are obviously going to be without their without their superstar Bryce Harper. Obviously, uh, the Braves are going to be without Ronald Acuna Jr. I think this is going to be this is going to be a chance for the Braves to show. Listen. We cannot replace one three. That is not what I'm saying. But this is going to be coming down to Kevin. And who's a better team without their superstar? And I think the Braves are built to handle it longer or better than a team like the Phillies. Now I say that, and then you know <laughs> something happens. But I, but I just think that when you think about you know Jansen being out with the irregular heartbeat, you talk about Ronald Cooney Jr. with that freak accident, you know, uh, with the foul ball. You start talking about a Braves team that thank thank God the Dodgers series is over. It, it felt like. 10 games, even though it was only three, get back to their winning ways, you know, reestablish themselves. And look, man, we got that. We, we, we got our eyes on the mess. I know the field's got their eyes on the Braves. Should make for a very, very interesting series because you know, Kevin, when you're playing in conference or in division, it's always really, really good game. And again, we see the Braves rely heavily on Jansen as the closer. Ronald Acuna obviously has been a huge spark every time he's been able to play. Uh, they're at the top of the lineup. And how, how do teams adjust? Because obviously it's Will Smith or A.J. Mentor. Will Smith did it last year uh, for the Braves. We were talking about where do you go at closer, but that hasn't been his role uh, here in 2022. How do teams adjust when you lose just key pieces like that, even if it's just for a, a, a short stretch? Is it, 
hey, we just need to ride it out? Or do you feel like guys take on that onus a little bit like, hey, he can't play. This is my gig for the next 15 days. I got to step it up. Kevin, you, you start realizing the difference between being a being a, a fill-in piece and a key piece. I mean, I, I think sometimes when you are a guy that's waiting your turn, because sometimes you on the you on you know you on the roster, but you don't play. You might be a, a fill-in guy here and there, but when you know I'm gonna be starting, you know, when Ozzy goes out, you know, you 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 have to you have to say, look, man, you are still a pro. Like we pay you to be ready. Before we do anything else, we pay you to be available, we pay you to be professional, but we pay you to be ready. And it's almost like, Kevin, every time a, a starting quarterback goes out, the backup comes in and has a great game. That's one game. The starter been doing it for years. So I think with, ba- with baseball, it's way different because pitchers get hurt all the time. Relievers get hurt because that's a lot of wear and tear on them, on them joints, on them shoulders. It's how do you adjust? Because if you are the Braves, you get zero sympathy from the other 29 oh, teams sure. because you were the top team last year. But I think that's kind of when you get to flex a little bit, too, to show, hey, man, the best teams have great role players. That's any that's any level of sport. Baseball is probably is probably the most you know reliant upon that. So I think for this Braves team is how do you adjust? Because Kevin, if you didn't read the injury report, the Braves running out there. Now we know who we're looking for at certain places. Sure. You ain't gonna say they ain't have a cool. You don't care. They went on this run, they did. And Acuna was playing probably the worst he's played since he's been in the bigs, and they still was chopping. They <clears throat> think about the Mets when they're saying, dude, they do they having all these wins, man. And Ronald Acuna ain't even playing well. That's the sign of a great uh team that's that's understanding. Look, we find ourselves in the wild card race. There's still a lot of still a lot of season left. By the way, you know, you got two seasons, you got you know, you got pre uh all-star break, post all-star break. But, Kevin, how do you adjust? Snit and Anthopolis, they've really seen it all. Like, look, man, we, we, we've we dealt with it all. We, we've dealt with, you know, 10 runs given up in the freaking postseason against, you know what I'm saying, Mike Fonavich, and we bounced back from that. We, we, we've we seen Ronald Acuna Jr. in the injury bug, and when your best players get hurt, that's how you really put your roster together. How do we look if he's out? Because coaches do that. We used to have – when I played with the Titans, Jeff Fisher – Right, uh, I will walk through the night before the game. All he doing, he'll go through the depth chart, and when he, and he's talking about special teams or all right, this defense, both our defensive ends go out. Uh, who's our who's our emergency? You got to be ready. It is unacceptable in pro sports to not be ready when called upon. That because Kevin, you know, just like I know, if they, I don't care who's in there, you expect them to produce. Now, surprise me of how well you play, not how bad you play. Uh, uh-uh, that that because if you play bad, hey man, you know you playing tomorrow, right? And the day after that, and the day after that. So it's better that you get into a rhythm sooner rather than later, because you're not an everyday starter that gets you know four or five games to figure it out. No, dude, you you got the next two weeks. And guess what? When the postseason roster come out, because we plan to be there, you want to be on it. And right now, so and obviously you don't want to look that far down the road. But I think this Braves team is built for it, Kevin. Because like I said, Oz has been out. We ain't seen Mike Soroka in two years. Ronald Acuna missed most of last year. They still treading on. So I just think that we get to see what else the Braves are made. Because like you said, Kevin, if they can tread water, keep winning games, help is on the way. Help sure. is coming with Isaac and Rosario. But until they get here, hey, man, we, 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 we got tonight. <laughs> Let's get it going. I think this Braves team is built for it, especially if no Bryce Harper. Hey, man, I think you want to try to take advantage of that as long as you got that. Yeah, we got uh, a lot of news out there, including I know – 
you said, hey, thank God the uh, the Dodgers series is over. But, Ben, we have news today that just kind of keeps playing into it. It's probably not very shocking to a lot of folks, but according to Buster Olney, Freddie Freeman has fired his agent, or at least the agency that represented him, and he is listed on the MLB website as self-represented. Uh, at this point, Buster Olney saying, Freddie Freeman had confided in family and friends, and he was angry about the way it was all handled. You think? I mean, the dude had an emotional just moment weekend there in Atlanta. I mean, you see the I – mean, again, you take pictures of moments and times, Ben, but you see the picture of Freddie sitting there kind of by himself on the, on the bench. You see the, just the, the tears from a press conference. Like, the dude was wrecked three hours before the game at a press conference. Like, emotionally wrecked. And then you come out and get the ring. Another emotional. And that's the least surprising thing that happened in the world of sports is that Freddie fired his agent. Now, that same agency has got another client who plays shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. This ought to be this ought to be interesting because, again, you saw the, the Dansby Freddie love fest. Uh, they go out to L.A. You know, Charlie's running up to Dansby. That's Uncle Dansby. Woo! You know. All right. Your guy just dumped the, the the agency that we all know. I mean, there is no way you can sugarcoat this. The agent forced the issue, fumbled the ball, all that, and got Freddie to L.A. for not really much more money and got him out of Atlanta, which he obviously wanted to stay. Now, you have the Dansby uh, contract situation where he's on an arbitration deal this year. He's playing at an elite level. I think should be an all-star easily representing the National League. He's going to get paid. Difference being, Dansby is a hometown Atlanta guy, Ben. He's a guy that grew up Metro Atlanta, went to Vanderbilt, number one uh, draft pick in the MLB draft by the, the, the Diamondbacks. Then gets traded, comes back to Atlanta, his hometown. I mean, you thought Freddie didn't want to leave, and I don't want to speak for Dansby, but... I mean, I can't imagine in a professional gig like that, knowing you got 80, what, 82 home games in your hometown, you can live in your hometown where you're, you should be as comfortable as you're ever going to be, right? I mean, you yeah. know people there, you're familiar with the city, you're this or that. Uh, unless you just want to go somewhere else, I can't imagine Dansby wants to leave. So does he keep that agent? After the way play, I mean, to me, that's where the drama continues. Uh, if you're the if you're the Atlanta Braves, I mean, obviously, if I'm Dansby, I'm going. Hey, you saw how the ultimatum worked out? Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, uh, Kevin. If you are Dansby, right? Sometimes you know what you know. You, you get to learn from the guys in front of you. Obviously, Dansby is a huge fan and friend. Because the one thing that Dansby and uh, and Freddie Freeman teaches us, there are a lot of friends in sports. Like we played with each other for years. That that doesn't mean we're friends. That's a rare thing to be able to have a friend. But Dansby is saying to myself, "Hey, dude, yeah, I don't want to mess this up. Why? I already got a ring. I am from Atlanta. I I should. I, I'm not counting this money. I already have my home and everything. I am good. I just want to retire a brave, right? I want to retire a brave." And Anthopolis knows that too. Anthopolis is saying, dude, I got to get one of these right. Like, I can't get this wrong. <laughs> well, let me say this. I don't think he but got Kevin, it. But, Kevin, I, I got to ask you this because I saw that you, you know, said something about it. Is it poetic justice that you realize he didn't want to go? Like, he really didn't want to go. It's just, 
I don't know what Freddie told the agent and they made the agent go tell Anthopolis you got an hour. And Freddie go, you told him what? We got an hour. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Because in a sense, Kevin, that's when the business really took over. That's 60 minutes. Anthopolis is thinking, bro, I got Matt Olsen. I, I got it. I'm going to just go with Matt Olsen and I'm going to wish you the best and I'm going to deal with the backlash. But this story will not end today. And, if, and, and, and let you know, Freddie Freeman just confirmed, but we all thought he wanted to be a brave. Freddie told one thing. I could tell somebody, man, get it done. You tell them it's an hour. I did not tell you that. So, <laughs> yeah. Kevin, it's listen, it still hurts because he, he's not a brave anymore, but it is a little soothing knowing that he still want to be a brave. And uh, Clayton yeah. Kershaw, ain't nobody asked you your opinion, man. <laughs> you opened up your mouth. Yeah, second now, fiddle. You what comes out. Yeah, no, look, I, uh, Ben, there's a lot of folks who aren't, you know, business savvy in that respect when you're negotiating million dollar deals i get it but if you know anything about business at all it usually usually doesn't work out when you give the guy with the money an ultimatum right usually the guy with the money can give an ultimatum but if you give the guy with the money the ultimatum they're like oh okay fine i don't have to do that <laughs> right and and that's the the, the hand that uh, I, I think the agent played, and just, again, as this comes out to a, in the light of day, as you said, Ben, what we all knew, I, 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 again, your client wanted to be somewhere pretty, I mean, I mean, just look at what happened the last year. Wanted to be somewhere pretty, apparently, and you didn't do it, right? You played it completely wrong. And how much of this was, I mean, again, to be a fly on the wall, Ben, how much of this was, Hey man, you know you know we've been negotiating with him for like a year and a half. What's the, what's the deal? Are we trying to hold him hostage for two more million dollars? Like what? I, I, if I'm Freddie, like like what? I would I would be saying that like, hey, what are they offering? Are we that? I, I, like are they giving us that big of a low ball? Like like we've been doing this for a year and a half. What 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 is going on? And then you know to come and play the card that you played. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out. But uh, you know something interesting that that, that Christian said. If if this deal doesn't happen, and again, it, it, easy to write the history book on it, Ben, but if this deal doesn't happen, you get Freddie back. You obviously do not get Matt Olson. Right? Is Michael Harris playing center field right now for the Braves? With Christian, wow. pa- I mean, Christian Pache is not hitting, but I yeah. mean, obviously he was part of that deal. And yeah. uh, Shane Long, I mean, but if this deal doesn't get made, is Michael Harris playing center field for the Braves right now? I mean, I, no. and, 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 and once again, I mean, not only is Michael Harris not playing for the Braves, the biggest question mark coming into this season if was Pache. Like, it, that was going to be one of the biggest question marks, and we're talking about his plate appearances. So, Kevin, like I said, I'm not saying that, you know, once again, Anthopolis, do I got to take you to Vegas with me? Do I got to buy you a three-piece suit? Do we got to come down the escalator when we standing behind you and your head, head tilted to the side? Because I'm saying, Kevin – that's what I mean when I say it's a lot more to it. It's like, you know, I'm just saying. At the end of the day, uh, Kevin, we end up getting a Michael Harris. You know, you're talking about Michael Harris and what he's doing and different things. So, yes, there is a silver lining in it, but it does make me feel good to know that we are the ones that got away. Freddie, thank you for clarifying <laughs> that for me and Kevin. You are welcome, sir. Enjoy your life out there in L.A. We will be doing our thing. Yeah, ATL. you got six years uh, left. Of this. I mean, look, look, look I, I, again. Ben, this is like being in a, ba- in a in a divorce you didn't want to have happen, 
Because now there's uh, – look, I know people are like, well, couldn't you just trade Matt Olson for Fred? No. Like, the deal's done. He's not coming back, and Freddie knows that. Six years, you're there. You want to be over here, and you can't come back. Like, that to me has got to be excruciating, potentially, for Freddie. I mean, time will heal all wounds, but, man, as you said, there's a lot of Dodgers that got to be looking around going, good night. Is he going to love us like that? Like, can we, can, we, can, we, can we get a few tears squirting out the eyeballs, Freddie? We got a comment there on YouTube. If Freddie starts struggling after all the blubbering over the weekend, and there was a lot of that, yeah. do Dodger fans come for him, Ben? They, they should. I mean, that, that's fair, right? I mean, if you are a Dodger fan, you are making it known that, hey, you, 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 you love us because you have to, but you in love with them over there. We, we've seen it, but... Kevin, 12 years is a long time for anything, man. And you sure. think about a guy like Freddie Freeman, I believe he said, I'm going to be a lifer. I'm going to do the Chipper Jones. I'm going to play for one franchise. But once again, one hour of his, your whole negotiating life landed you in L.A. And now we got Matt Olson and we got Michael Harris. So thank you, Freddie. I mean, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, Michael Harris was in the Braves, you know, he. but I don't think people thought he was going to be above double yeah. A at all this year, uh, given how things went. So kind of interesting to, to, to look at there. And uh, again, I think probably I, I heard uh, this said on second down and it, it's true. Probably the bigger loss in Freddie's mind is you love the city of Atlanta. You love your teammates. You love the culture of, of the team. Ben, I think after, after winning a world series, but I think, and again, you have to realize this. I think there's a realization if that deal gets done, even at five years, and I don't. As long as Freddie Freeman is average, if that deal gets done at five years, and Freddie Freeman is average, number five's hanging up off the side of the wall of the stadium. Without a doubt. Without no, a doubt. no, no question, no question at all. And you might win another one uh, with with the Atlanta Braves. Who knows? You might get one with LA. But I think all that went away uh, as well. You are a Braves great. Are you a Braves legend? You might be in the Braves Hall of Fame, but that number is not going up there next to Chipper. Kevin, Kevin, not Kevin, you know you like I know. Your legendary, your legendary status is how we remember you last. Not how we remember you. What's the last? What's the first thing that jumped in your mind when I say Freddie Freeman? He left. That kind of stuff matters, man. <laughs> but people that think that don't, that stuff matters. And Freddie, hey man, Joe, I ain't seen your crib out there in LA. I heard it's nice. I don't know if you live in the hills or Calabasas or Rancho Cucamonga, <laughs> but we over we over here in Truist Park doing what we do, baby. <laughs> we got. <laughs> Man, I, I could tell Ben you've spent your time around the uh the uh I don't the, know, the Kevin, I, I you know, know the movies. I don't know what the hell I'm talking oh. about. <laughs> well, you were in Oakland for a little bit. Well, right? I was. No, no, no. Listen, Oakland is Oakland is the bay. That's the bay. That is we talking about we talking about SoCal. That's Southern California. It never rains down there. That's close to like San Diego, LA. You know, I, I was over there by uh uh two short uh uh E forty and uh Marshawn Lynch. That's that's why I was there. <laughs> Did you like Oakland or I mean I did, I did. I like listen, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, love it. Never ever made it on the Bay Bridge. But hey man, I made it, I, you know, I mean down eight eighty. I used to I used to like the Bay. Cut your boy out there. I ain't know what I was doing, but I, you know, I made it. <laughs> we, got, we got more to come here on three not a lot of chance. Ben said a lot to talk about, not only with baseball, but college football, the ACC with some big announcements today. We'll get to that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com on your mobile device with the ESPN app. You can also see us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as uh, all up and down the radio network. But glad you're with us here on the show, Ben. Big news uh, out of the ACC. They're dumping divisions. 
uh, after this upcoming season. So in 2022 will be the last with the ACC Atlantic and Coastal Division. So the coastal chaos, the coastal craziness will be coming to an end where they went through a stretch of, I think, seven straight years, seven different winners of the Coastal going to the ACC Championship game. That's gone. And in 2023, you're moving to divisionless football, a 3-5-5 model, which is three set opponents, five other opponents to give you your eight conference games, and then you will rotate uh, those five with the other five, meaning you will play the entire conference both home and away over the course of a four-year span. So if you get recruited uh, by, say, Florida State, by the time you are a fourth-year senior, you will have played everybody in the conference both home and away, which I think what uh, you know a lot of people want. I don't know how the SEC is going to pull that off without going to nine games. Uh, yeah. once Texas and Oklahoma come in. But just keeping it on the the ACC here. So after this year, it doesn't matter anything other than how you play in conference. We're going to take the two best teams and play in Charlotte. Is that good? Is that better for the league to do it that way? Even though I know people have done some revisionist, not revisionist, but some look back in history and say, well, that wouldn't have changed anything over the Last eight years, only, but only one time. Yeah, but the schedules are now going to be a lot different that you're not locked into straight divisional play with just a couple of rotators. I mean, the schedules are going to be all very much different from, from year to year. Is this a move that you think helps the ACC? Yes, and, and, it, and it helps the players. I mean, let's face it. Cable 25 go to Clemson. Cable 25 go to Florida State or Miami, right? But look at how look at how this balances in a sense the playing field. When you talk about if I'm a, if I'm a player that want to go to North Carolina, I want to go to BC, I want to go to Wake. Number one, I'm gonna if I stay for four years, I'm gonna get a chance to play everybody. But now this Kevin, this makes it so that the regular season it really really matters. And I'm not doing this <laughs> more all that craziness. It, 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 become, it becomes something where people ask, how do you balance out power when you talk about the best teams, right? Whenever, when, you, when you get rid of the divisions. Because on a set year, I'm thinking to myself, I got to win my side. I got to win my side first before I can even – now it's, I got to just win these games. Because if they if – if he quote, you know, if the, the Virginia Techs, North Carolina States are having a bad day and just say, a, you know, a, a Duke – Finds a way. Because to me, let's call it what it is. That's the only way a team like Duke is going to ever have a shot. They weren't going to do it. Well, they did it one time, and everything kind of fell into place. And that's what – but, Kevin, it it becomes a – why should Duke have to wait, you know, 30 years? Hey, man, 30 (laughs) years ago, man, we was able to win this. Really? Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. No, it should be, hey, I go to said school. I play in said conference. We're going to play each other, home or away, within four years. And the two best teams gonna play in Charlotte. Let's do it. Cause let's face it, sometimes it gets confusing because you just fall on the wrong side. You're gonna do it. I can't ain't no way we can beat them. So forget trying to be, you know, second, third tier. If I can't beat the best team on my side, it's a wrap. So cause I'm scratching the clone to get the six games. I get it. So yes, Kevin, I do like this model. Hey, look at the ACC trying to jump out there before the SEC. Trying to trying to set the tone. Cause when people when people started saying, what is going to change college football? People thought NIL, transport. No, 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 no. Getting rid of divisions and adding teams. That's what that's what reshapes it. You add teams, you get rid of divisions. Because, Kevin, once again, we, we came up in a time to where, you know, we had the floor model TVs. When's <laughs> the last time you seen one? And if you did, if you wanted somebody's crib, they had a floor model, you're going, bro, that, that worked? Yeah. 
No, it's used to uh, hold plants and, uh, and things like that. People go, how did you end up with a smaller TV? Because that, that floor model was so freaking heavy, you just put a smaller one right on the... <laughs> I'm not moving this thing. I just put a smaller... So to me, this is just... We, we've we been watching the game long enough to remember when certain teams broke away from certain conference, came to this conference. It's just a change of the guard. They're trying to do what's best for your conference. To me, the ACC is saying, look, the best thing happened to us could have been Clemson not going to Charlotte, kind of seeing two different teams, and now we're going to go away from the division. It's going to force teams to recruit better. They're going to give teams more opportunity to recruit better. And who knows? Yes, Clemson and, you know, the Miami's going to still probably get the best players. But the Louisvilles can go find them another Lamar Jackson, hopefully, and say, hey, man, what if Lamar is coming through the ACC around to where there are no divisions? They got a better shot to, you know, so – I, I like it. I'm always thinking about the players. I, you know, and I think sometimes people, oh, it's fair. Everybody gets to, because this is what's really going to happen. If we get the players, guess what come next? The dollars. Guess what come next? The facilities. Because if you don't think that stuff matters, right? You don't think it matters. It matters. The places that you get to train, uh, you know, the resources that surround you, all that stuff matters, man. All you got to do when you go on a recruiting business, this is how these coaches do it. Yeah, I said, man, you just came from uh, North Carolina, right? Yeah. Oh, man, coach, they had this and that. Somebody's doing like this. What is it? So they cut y'all hair in. I'm telling you, <laughs> that stuff matters, Kevin, because once again, I just think that the best players should go to a school of their choice, and they shouldn't be at a disadvantage because that school isn't a powerhouse. It shouldn't well, be because of the powerhouses out there. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm interested to see it play out. Uh, you got the common opponents put out there by the ACC uh, today as well. Georgia Tech, uh, if you look here in this state, they get Clemson. Louisville and Wake Forest, which I I think, if you're uh, the Georgia Tech folks, you got to be th- saying yes, because uh, a lot of people would say, what games make sense to keep? It would be Clemson, Florida State, and so you go whoa 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 whoa. Do do, do you want to make it easy on yourself? I'm not saying Louisville and Wake are pushovers, but you know a lot of times you see fan bases say, oh man. I want to play, like, you know, if they were still having an SEC, man, I want to play Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn every year. We got great rivals. Do you want to win at least some? I mean, I was like, I'm not saying you can't win those games, but you're making it hard on yourself. I I think Louisville and Wake Forest, good games uh, for Georgia Tech. Uh, Clemson got Georgia Tech, Florida State, and NC State. I I think that's pretty solid for them. But one thing that I did notice, uh, Ben, when you talk about it, uh, when when you come up with these common games and I think the SEC is going to go through this, whatever scheduling model uh, they decide is like there's certain games you just can't have, right? I mean, it, there's too many. There's too many games in the SEC that people will say, oh, that's pretty good. ACC doesn't really have that. I think if you're a league that's trying to push uh, competition, even push for new rivalries, this is a model to go to where you're playing everybody more often. I didn't see a whole lot of games that needed protecting. Obviously, you wanted the, the triangle schools, Duke, Carolina and NC State to kind of play each other. They preserved that. I think Clemson and NC State or Clemson and Georgia Tech was worth, uh, you know, saving. That's a good rivalry. Obviously, Florida State Miami uh, is one worth saving, and North Carolina Virginia because it is the South's oldest rivalry. I know Auburn and Georgia fans uh, will get mad about it. it. Is the South's oldest rivalry? Georgia and Auburn is the Deep, deep South's uh, oldest rivalry. So, no, there we go. So, the Deep. Yes. So, so I think. So I think for the AC, that's one worth worth saving. I'm kind of surprised they didn't go after Virginia Tech Miami. That's a Big East matchup. They've been in the Coastal Division. They've played each other every year. Surprised you didn't maybe put a little more credence on that one being saved. But I don't see a whole lot of other ones where I'm like, you gotta have it, or just what are you doing? Yeah. 
And so yeah. for the ACC, I feel like this is a move where you could actually encourage more rivalries, even if you're not playing every single year because you're cycling through the conference uh, more. I thought Georgia Tech and Florida State kind of had a rivalry thing going uh, there in the last handful of times they played. They played two years ago and weren't scheduled to play for quite some time. Now you know you get at least two every four years, and while it won't be the every year in your face, it's still something that's not, hey, we played, now we're not going to play for seven, eight years. Uh, you know, that it just dies uh, at that point. So to me, for the ACC, you want to develop more interesting matchups. You want to have controversy. You want to have rivalries develop, play more often. It's that, it's that simple, right? Georgia and Texas A&M are not rivals. And no. under the current scheduling model, they would never be rivals in anything because they play no. twice in 16 years. Like you, you, you Georgia play. Will play. Georgia will play Notre Dame more in a 16 year span than they'll play Texas A&M. Right, exactly. That's just how that is. Yeah, it's just uh, screwy. So I think for the ACC, Ben, this is a model that works for that league to try to develop better brands of football, more consistency, and more games that people, I think, can develop into to trying to watch. So I, I, I like what they're doing and doing it quickly, right? 2023, it's here. They've already put out the schedule for the next four years uh, of who the opponents will be anyway, ironically stopping when, when the college football playoff uh, contract comes up for, for renewal. But I think a good move all in all for the ACC. We'll come back. We got more to get to here on 3 and Out. The Falcons enjoying some off time, but they got a lot to worry about when it comes to on the field. We'll get to that next. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Atlanta Falcons enjoying some downtime, but I'm sure if you're Arthur Smith, you are not enjoying the downtime looking at that defense and what it could potentially uh, look like, Ben. I want to talk specifically about that linebacking group and how good it could be. And I don't mean that in a, oh, they're underrated, like, oh, how good could this, I mean, like, how good could it be? You got a young man in, uh, in, in Anderson who you drafted and, We've talked to several folks that said, look, he is learning to play the linebacker position. So learning obviously doesn't equate to Pro Bowl status. I mean, the learning never stops. I get that. But if you are learning, learning to play the linebacker position, that's tough. So you got Deion Jones and Rashawn Evans, former Alabama Crimson Tide linebacker. That's your two starting inside linebackers right now. Troy Anderson learning to play the, uh, the position. How good do you think they can even be there at that linebacker spot on the inside. We know the problems on the outside, trying to rush the quarterback and, and, and all that, but how, do, how good can they be on the inside where your leading tackler now plays in Jacksonville and Deion Jones? A lot of people have said, you've been a disappointment and you got to stop tackling guys eight, nine, ten yards down the field. I mean, Kevin, for the Falcons, you're you gonna need you're gonna need them to be pretty good, man. That they can't be subpar because something we talked about before the show is. You got weaknesses throughout this defense. AJ Terrell is bona fide. Grady Jarrett has been has been has been pretty solid since he's came into the league. Problem is Lorenzo Carter is a journeyman now, right? A fifth year in the league on a one year deal. You got a guy Deion Jones that before he got his deal he was not even he was one of the best, you know, say middle linebackers in the league, especially with what he does and his covering skills. I mean, I think he had five six picks one year, but now. You're doing this reload thing. And the thing about reloading is you're going to have to have, you know, guys that weren't on the team before or either rookies make be key, key contributors. You talk about Rashad Evans and what he's able to potentially bring to the – I think they got a shot to be good, but the problem is, Kevin, even if they are good, just say they are good, are the other guys around them complimenting them? 
Because that's the thing about a defense is usually when a player is really, really good, he either makes those around him better or they're complimentary pieces to what he does. Like when you look at the Rams defense, yes, you got Jalen Ramsey, and yes, you got Aaron Donald, right? And it's nothing against Ernest Jones. I don't know who the linebackers are for uh, for the for the Rams. I don't have to know who they are. I know who 99 is, right? I know who Jalen is, right? Yep. And, and they're good enough. I got a guy in the middle of the field that is so that is so good. That means that he's going to get double teams. That means the guys on the outside are getting one-on-ones. That means I got linebackers that can run and hit. I got quarterbacks that can cover, and I got safeties with nothing cheap, nothing deep. Super Bowl, the thing about the Falcons is, you need to know who these linebackers are. Deion Jones, Rashad Evans, you know, you're talking about Troy Anderson. They're going to have to be key contributors, meaning you got to replace the league's leading tackler. Okay. Then you got to be able to say, how do how do we make sure that we fill holes that our D-line probably open up? Because this D-line is going gonna, is gonna to take some, some games to get jelling. So I don't know, Kevin. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you were Arthur Smith, I mean, you see how you be looking at these press conferences. His eyes be super duper big because he's like, dude, because we we only get snapshots of the team. If you you know if you go back to Ricky Minicamp, oh my God, you know look at River, oh my God, look at London, look at Drake London, but you only seeing snapshots when all the when all the fun goes out the window. It's like it's like Moneyball. They going around the table. This guy and he, listen when when Brad Pitt is doing this, yeah yeah yeah, y'all yapping man. How do we win games? Oh man, we got to praise you. No, 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 no. Don't tell me about pray, replacing a freaking potential great in certain people's eyes. How do we win games? Schemes are put in place to help get the best out of those guys running them and to be able to be efficient down in and down out. That's a scheme. That's a scheme. We ran plays during the week, and guess what? Norm Child didn't understand this. Ran a play, got snuffed. Run it again, got snuffed. And that's against the scout team. You know what Jeff Fisher said? <laughs> hey, man, yeah, these are the best players in the world. Yeah, run something else. Don't spend your time trying to get caught on one play. And I think what happens with this defense is with Anderson, Evans, and Jones, they might have to be the, they might have to be the glue. They might have to be asked to do more. Because when I don't have a, quote, alpha dog on the defense, what do I do? Panic. I, I'm not going to show it. I'm not going to show these press guys. But, Kevin, it's, all, it's almost like, Listen, we're going into a playoff game, and we got the worst starting pitcher in the left left in the tournament. Yeah, but how, but how does that change when I got the best start? Meaning, the Braves last year, right? It's easy to use these scenarios. Everything just happened to click. That bullpen that was kind of uh, during the year, it clicked in the postseason. And and look at what it gets you. I think the thing about football is, you only get three days to prepare for a game, right? And you go into it. And everything, and the and the goal of any defense is it's to shore up the holes because all the all offense trying to do is expose the holes. Well, it's not a holes to expose. You don't got a good pass rush. You bottom of the barrel of pass rush. You bottom of the barrel, and, you know, in tackles per game and stopping the run. Now you got an old veteran Deion Jones who might be a camp casualty. A guy Rashad Evans that you brought in and a rookie and Troy Anderson. So and Troy Anderson is a question mark because while he's athletic, he's still very raw, which means. Hey, man, he's athletic, man, but he got to see the play. He got to know the down the distance. He got to know the situation. That way he can react. The best players react. So we'll see, Kevin, but for my money, for, for Arthur Smith's money, for Terry Fondo's money, for Falcons' faithful money, for that for that team as a whole, you're going to need your linebackers uh, to be very, 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 like, middle of the pack 
you can't be I mean I line back in core we on the we in the 20s that ain't good enough y'all got to be closer to you know 15 16 because if they play well, that means that gives the defensive line confidence and so maybe they can start gelling because all defenses start with the front seven. That's your yeah. D-line and that's your linebacking core. But right now, you got a dude named Grady Jared. That if, unless, unless you've been driving around Atlanta and he got his pitches all up, you still don't know him if you see him. And his pitches all over Atlanta. Think about that. Out of all the players they can put on <laughs> billboards, they ain't Maddie Ice, they ain't Drake London, they ain't Kyle Pitts, it's a dude named Grady Jared, Jesse Tucker's kid. You see what I'm saying? It's just it's, so we, we'll see what happens, Kevin. But for my money, they're gonna have to play above what they've done. And who knows, man? It might not, it might not mean more wins, uh, more wins in the win column. But you got to have something to feel good about. Because, like I say, you know, I, lo- I, 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 you know, I love, uh, you know, uh, you know, I love Brandon. You know, I love Brandon, and uh, you know, but uh, these guys be coming in reporting for the Falcons pretty soon. You know, dear Orlando, he ain't lying no more. Dear, dear, I ain't, I ain't doing. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, I'm not doing, and I'm not. That's saying that's what he used to do, but it's crazy. Yeah, no, there will be no more stressful moment Sunday in and Sunday out than when that Falcons defense is on the field. I mean, and that's with Marcus Mariota on the other side. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be more worried about uh, what's going on defensively with that Atlanta Falcons team. We got more to come. Take three around the corner. We'll talk some golf with Rich Styles next hour. Roddy Jones, the ESPN College Football Analyst, former Georgia Tech running back, will join us in the final hour. ACC dumping divisions, changing up their scheduling model, starting in 2023. Will that be beneficial for the league? He'll join us coming up in the final hour. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for being with us. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live as well, ESPNCoastal.com. Uh, audio wise, video wise, you can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, ESPN Coastal there on YouTube. If you miss any of the show, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go to YouTube. We get a video uh, version of the show uh, there every day in case you miss it. We've got Rich Styles coming up next hour. Take three right around the corner as well. And uh, a lot of things going on, uh, including Freddie Freeman back in the news. We'll get to that coming up uh, throughout the show as well. This has usually been where you tell me about a weird video you have seen on the internet, which provides you one, you know, every day. Anything weird out there on the uh, on the web? I need to be checking out here because you find some weird stuff going around. Uh, it looks like it looks like two snakes, right? Okay, they're going they're going in a cabinet. They're going to the cabinet, and the cabinet you, you can see you can see like the bottom. It look like it's two of them. And they're going up in there. Then the cat, then the person, I guess the owner, puts the camera on the cat, and the cat's look on the look on the cat's face is what we all saying. That cat like, you finna get the hell up out of here, right? We ain't staying here no more, right? Like, I'm, <clears throat> the cat is like, what do you expect me to go open that cabinet up? I just saw what went in there. So, I, and, and like I said, Kevin, it's it just it just. It just goes to show you, man, like, look, man, number one, Kevin, the, the question is, what would Kevin Thomas have to see going to his going to his cameras to realize, well, this 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 house has served me and my family enough time. I guess it's it's time to, you know, move. Cause I cause when I saw it, I said, What is that? Is that two snakes not dealing with it? <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I great to be back. Hour two here on on three and out, Kevin and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. We'll hear from Rich Styles this hour, talk a little golf as uh, the Live Tour is in the United States this week, and they just got a few more defections uh, to the tour for this week. So we'll talk to uh, Rich Styles about that coming up 
in just a little bit. Also, Roddy Jones will join us in the final hour. ESPN College Football Analyst and former Georgia Tech running back as the ACC updated their scheduling model. They're doing away with divisions starting after uh, this season and picking up in 2023. So he'll join us coming up in the final hour. First, Ben, let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, take one. Who benefits? What team that is, Ben, benefits the most from the ACC dropping divisional play following this season? I think I think a team like uh, like North Carolina State, because Kevin, I think I think sometimes when we get the, we, we get caught up in the who's who, right? But let's face it, most conferences are built to try to make sure the best teams remain the best teams because they are the biggest sellers of you know of the of the apparel or, or commercials or what may have you. AC State has always been a good team, but. They don't get rewarded for good seasons like they should if, if you didn't have something like divisions because they run the gun. Like, I mean, Kevin, you warned me over with the NC State. Well, definitely NC State or ACC itself, they will play well against a good team and lose until a, to a bad team. So I would say an NC State and a close second will be like a Boston College because these teams, you know, that are typically good but don't get the notoriety because they want to run the football. They want to play a certain style of football. I would say NC State won, even though, you know, head coach don't really want to, nothing to do with the press conference. That's a part <laughs> of the deal. I would go BC at number two. Because I, I think that, obviously, hopefully, a Miami would eventually. Because that's the thing, Kevin. We get so caught up in the NC States and the Boston Colleges of the world. North Carolina has Sam Howe. Didn't get it done. Miami is not going to lack talent. Haven't gotten it done. And dare I say... It might be time to kind of like look at the new Florida State, because I think we're getting caught up in what they were. Sure. If they don't, if, if they don't get rid of this current model, they might not find themselves going to Charlotte unless they visit, and they sure ain't gonna be going to the play. Yeah, that was gonna be my guess. I, I like your NC State pick there. Mine was gonna be Florida State because hey, you've gone through a downturn. You got to climb the mountain. Well, now you don't have to climb it quite as far. You can finish second in the conference and go right. You don't have to worry about I think winning your side. And there's a lot of folks that have looked at the current ACC setup, Ben, especially when Florida State started their downward trend and said, you have Clemson, and then whoever wins the Coastal Division, and who the heck knows. Coastal Division was very balanced, but you could have had a you know a 9-3, and 8-4 and four team coming out of the Coastal Division because it was balanced and nobody really separated from the pack. Now, if you're Florida State, look, you just have to be number two. Just have to be number two. And we can go play for an ACC championship. I think it helps them out. But NC State, great guess. You don't have to beat Florida State. You don't have to beat Clemson guaranteed every year. You just need to finish second. And there have been times when people maybe thought, you know, if you finish behind Clemson, you might be the second best team in the conference. I do think Florida State benefits tremendously. And I think uh, NC State, a good pick by you, Ben. Uh, they're both on the Atlantic side. I think anybody you have said on the coastal side is like, well, they've been to the conference championship the way it was set up. And nobody's dominating over there, so you're you're good, right? If you could just win that side, you were going to go. I think this benefits some of those teams that were log-jammed behind Clemson uh, to try to get there. All right, moving along. Speaking of that model, uh, Ben, take two. Should all the conferences drop divisions? As I lost Ben. Uh, should all conferences drop divisions and just take the best two teams? And while Ben is uh, absent... I will say absolutely they should. I think it's a benefit for, for everybody. You get the best two teams in every conference. 
And, and I know people in the SEC, you love your divisional play. But outside of the last couple of years where it's been clearly Georgia, clearly Alabama, I think there's been times in the not-so-recent future, or the distant past, I should say, not-so-distant past where Georgia and Florida were the two best teams. And they couldn't play. They had that game in Jacksonville, and then one didn't go. I think you've had times when Alabama and Auburn might have been the two best teams. Alabama, LSU, who have replayed uh, in the national championship after that. Texas A&M, maybe uh, a, a second team. So I like getting rid of divisions. Just play the conference. Give me the two best teams in the conference. It works for... works Just works too well, in my opinion, to have two teams, uh, just have the best two teams, rather than divisional play. Because you get into this, well, that side is so much better than the other side. Which is kind of what you have in the SEC right now, where it's Georgia and everybody else, and and then Alabama, A&M, LSU, Auburn, Arkansas. They've had some of the you know, where it's been really tough over there. If you just mix it up and play everybody, where the two best teams come from the West, or where the two best teams come from Georgia and Florida some years, could. I mean, I know we love the SEC championship game as it is. Can you imagine? If you just mix up the schedule, and despite the loss by whomever in Jacksonville, they're still the two best teams in the league, and they play for the SEC championship game. Georgia and Florida fans might be fist fighting in the parking lot after that, if, if that was the case. All right, Ben, I've got you back here. Should you see all the conferences drop divisions and just take the two best teams? I was given my case. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, because, Kevin, this is the thing, right? It shouldn't matter. Like we, once again, we have to. We we have. We just have to embrace these decisions that are made. Oh, it's the East. It's the West. Arkansas can't stand it. Arkansas done won seven to eight and nine games. Nothing to show for it because they can't beat Alabama. They can't. You know, it's like they had to run into twenty nineteen LSU, twenty whatever Alabama. You can pick any one of any one of them teams. Yes, I don't like division because it's not a true representation of when a team has an outlier year. You don't believe me? 2019 was an outlier year for, uh, for LSU. Have you heard anything from them since? Exactly. So I just think that it should be based less upon who has the best record in the conference as a whole and give me the top two teams. So, yes, get rid of the divisions because, Kevin, that seems to be the only way everybody's going to play each other. Like I said, Notre Dame has been to Athens. When last time Texas A&M been after? They ain't going. Think about that. A team in your conference don't know. No. I mean, well, I think JT Georgia Taylor. hasn't been to. Uh, I don't. I think Texas A&M finally came to Athens once, but I don't think Georgia's going to College Station. Hasn't been to College Station to play Texas A&M and may not go for a while. Yeah, that's that's a travesty. Get rid of it. Play your conference more. Give me the two best teams. One hundred percent agree. All right, Ben. Moving along. Take three, and we'll get to more of this uh, after take three, but. Uh, apparently, they got the hearing today for Deshaun Watson uh, and the NFL and the punishment. Apparently, the league is putting forth a recommendation of an indefinite suspension for at least a year. That's that's what Calvin Ridley got for gambling. Deshaun Watson has had 24 women accuse him of inappropriate conduct. I'll just leave it at that. And he has settled with 20 of them. Take three. What do you expect of the Sean Watson punishment to be? 
I expect it to be a year minimum, Kevin. And like you said, when you really put it in the context, we forget all about Calvin really. Is it's really for a year for gambling? But obviously, people there are certain people, unfortunately, that will look at what Calvin really did as being just a grease. You don't bet on the game. Come on, man. The thing about the thing about uh, Deshaun Watson is this case seems to be just gain you know gain attraction as it goes. First, he gets the allegation. He was already out for a year. Then he gets the allegations. Then he goes to the Browns. Even though it came down to the Browns and the Panthers and the Saints and the Falcons, then he signed for the most guaranteed money in NFL history, and he hadn't played for a year. Then it come out that oh, he's not he's not going to be convicted of any of these allegations. Then it comes out that he's he's settled with twenty of the twenty four, and now we finally get to there is no way the NFL is about reputation first. The, the Shield second. And right now, Deshaun Watson being one of the faces of the NFL is not helping the cause. He's got to get a year. Because, Kevin, this is the crazy part. Outside of him getting a year, when it's time for him to reinst- get reinstated, like, like what happened? Because I'm telling you, this seems like this seems like the, the freaking the freaking trial that'll never end. I ain't <laughs> never seen nothing like this. So, um, no, it's going to have to be a year. In, it's going to have... I do think the settling with the 20 of the 24... Got him a year. I think they probably would have gave him like you know eight, nine games. But because Kevin, what about those four? Because are the, are those going to trial? We, we still don't know. You got to give him a year for saving face purposes, reputation purposes, and just the perception. Because that's all you really have in the league at this point. The perception of protecting women, which I think the NFL has done an incredibly horrible job of at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, I just look at it from what. Is done as you said. I know settling does not mean you were guilty, but it doesn't look good yes. either. Uh, yes. uh, in in the way you do that, but I mean, you gave Calvin Ridley a year ban for betting what like a thousand bucks on the Falcons to win. I know that's not the point. You don't bet on NFL games. Everybody knows that, but you gave Calvin Ridley a year for gambling a thousand bucks or so, fifteen hundred dollars or so. Calvin Ridley said, but I mean, gave him a year for that. And you're gonna give Deshaun Watson the same thing? I for I I man, I'm 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 saying it. The Browns it's crazy. We we gonna have to wait and see, but once again, Kevin, people be saying, hey dude, what kind of stuff do Roger Goodell gotta deal with? This is only one thing he sure. has to deal with. This this is only one. And the the job of the commissioner is to be the face of the faceless owners. That that is his job. His job is to make sure the owners don't do press conferences. Jerry Jones does. I mean, he, he goes on. <laughs> but I think that if you are Roger Goodell, he's really saying, dude, I don't know what the hell, in a, I don't know what the hell to do. Like, let's just be honest. This dude, I don't control what the it's, it's, it's two thousand some guys that have their own individual lives away from football, and this guy, one of the faces, I don't know what the hell Deshaun doing. I really don't. So it's almost, and I hate to say it this way, it's much easier. And I'm not calling this situation easier. It's much easier to hand down this type of punishment on a player because with Kevin, at least it keeps on playing out. And every time these details come out, it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. So if Deshaun Watson only gets a year, he's very, very lucky with that because this could be easy two years. This could be like an unprecedented uh, because of who it is. It's not going to be an unprecedented uh, suspension. But Kevin, he better be lucky. He plays quarterback and not running back receipt. I think if it would have been another position that's not one of the faces that he and I would negotiate this contract, I think, because I, I guarantee you, uh, the Brown the Brown family up there with Cleveland, oh, they definitely trying to have some level of influence trying to see 
if they can sway, uh, you know, Roger Goodell and the NFL to only give him a year. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think it's going to be at least a year, if not more. I, I'm I'm going to say maybe like a year and a half. I, again, I just I don't. Nobody really knows how the NFL merits out its punishments, but. I mean, if you gave a guy a year for $1,500 in gambling, I mean, what he's been going through the last year is a little more serious than that, I think. So, yes. I mean, if you want to say a year in one game, okay, but, I mean, I don't – I don't. those don't seem like equal – equal uh, – Oh, it don't. Equal the, punishment. The, the, the crime definitely don't fit the – Right. The crime, I mean, I'm sorry, the punishment definitely don't fit the crime in this regard because if they told him, we're going to give you a year per allegation, your career is over. But they ain't gonna do. That's the thing about the NFL. They're not gonna go that extreme. But once again, when people ask, "Hey man, I want to be the commissioner," you sure? Because you have to deal with stuff like this. Me, I've never met with Roger Goodell in his office. You know why? Because I wasn't that good of a player and I didn't do dumb stuff. If you are meeting, <laughs> if you are meeting with Roger Goodell in, in New York, that ain't good. It ain't because they finna, you know, welcome you to your new position. They finna tell you we finna take your money. And it's and your livelihood. We will see you in a year. Because one people, the thing about suspension in the NFL, you can't have any contact with your team, with with the organization, and can't come up to the facility. That means that Deshaun Watson is going to be left with him and his time for a year. Woo! That might be a daunting task right there too. <laughs> That's take three. We do it each and every day here. This time we'll come back. We'll talk more about Deshaun Watson and how it relates to the Atlanta Falcons, who were at least apparently in the running to get Deshaun Watson. We'll get to that next. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It is 3 and Out on this Tuesday. Braves and Phillies coming up later tonight. Charlie Morton against Zach Wheeler. Heck of a pitching matchup. No Kenley Jansen. He's on the 15-day disabled list with an irregular heartbeat. And no Ronald Acuna in the lineup. Guess that ankle is still... Uh, giving him some trouble after uh, fouling a ball off of it earlier. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Rich Styles will join us to talk some golf, as we do every Tuesday with him here uh, on the show coming up in just a little bit. But, uh, Ben, you have uh, Deshaun Watson. We're waiting to see what that punishment will be. The league has recommended or is pushing for uh, indefinite suspension of at least uh, a year. And it would seem like if you're Arthur Blank, if you're Terry Fontenot and the Falcons brass, you're kind of taking a step back going, wow, maybe maybe glad we didn't win the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes uh, at the end of the day. And maybe why a lot of people said you should have never been pursuing him in the first place because you knew all this was going to be out there. A team that doesn't have has a lot of money, has a lot of money to deal with. So, yes, Kevin, they dodged a huge bullet. For a team that needs all the positive publicity it can get, let me, let, me just, let me just say this again. Deshaun Watson has nothing to do with Michael Vick. Nothing. The two do not compare. But you don't want another quarterback controversy situation in Atlanta that has nothing to do with football. Mm-mm. You don't want because Kevin, you know that's what's going to happen, right? Sure. You know, oh, you know this. This is the second time they had a big time quarterback. That had, so listen, Atlanta. I get it. You're trying to get the best players you can, and right now their names are Lorenzo Carter, Tease Tabor, Hayward, Cordell. I get it. That's all you can afford. But. The Cleveland Browns are used to dealing in chaos. They, if anybody Apparently. can handle chaos and controversy, it's the Browns. We'll see what's going to happen over there. But yes, Kevin, because I was like most now. I was like, okay, they're going to get Deshaun Watson, and I'm and I'm watching like everybody else. But then the details of this case keep coming, and the only time you hear about Deshaun Watson is when it, when it comes to these allegations, you don't hear about it. So, far no, Arthur Blank, 
Uh, Arthur, I mean, uh, Arthur Smith, you guys dodged a huge bullet because, Kevin, could you imagine right now that you on the hook for $40-something million starting in 2023 for a guy that ain't even going to contribute to your team in 2022? No. Nope, nope, nope. No. So, yes. Terry Fano, this is the deal that you're going to be happy fell through because you need positive publicity. You don't want to be answering questions about something that well, you kind of you, you know the full detail about, but you can't really speak on. I mean, Ben, we, and we've talked about this on the show as well. I mean, not only the money situation, and maybe Cleveland, as you said, foresaw some of this because I think this year he's only owed like a couple, like a million bucks yeah. or something. It's like yeah. you're going to offer like so they probably knew that that was going to come and 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 didn't have it out there. But I mean, you're talking about a guy that will not have played in two years, and we talked we talked about that. I mean, what Michael Vick was away from the league for. Two years, right? He was uh, in serving his, his his sentence. He was away for two years. He came back, and I would say played okay, but no. he definitely was not the player he was before all that happened. No. And so no. if I'm a team investing in Deshaun Watson and the Falcons were trying to apparently, I mean, what, what kind of quarterback are you getting? Are you getting the future Hall of Fame trajectory type guy that could get you into the postseason? that everybody expected. I'm not saying he was going to be that, but there were expectations that he could be one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the league. Or are you getting a guy that hasn't played in two years and looks really, really different, uh, you know, and and potentially may not be the same player you thought you were getting? I think that, I, man, I think the Falcons, as you said, really got off the hook on this one. And I think there's a lot of people that said, well, you kind of had egg on your face because you went after Deshaun Watson in the first place, didn't get him, and then you had Matt Ryan sitting there like this, and you traded him. But I, we, we talked about this before uh, before the show today. I said, do you think that Matt Ryan was traded regardless? I mean, obviously, they were pursuing Deshaun Watson, but when they didn't get him, was it just one of those things like, well, now we've put it out there that we were trying to get your replacement. Like, we just got to go ahead and... And let you go, Matt. Or if they never got in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, do you think Matt Ryan just stays and the Falcons just eat it for one more year? Oh, man. Uh, Kevin, I think they had to find a way to get Matty Ice on the books uh, sooner rather than later because you want to, you want to, you're looking down the road. Like, okay, let's call it what it is. This isn't a playoff team. Right. This is a team that's fighting for, you know, fighting for respectability, not to be bottom feeders in the NFC South. Can you beat the Panthers? That, that That's where the Falcons are in 2022. You're saying, dude. We got a problem on our hands right now. And the sooner we get this, the sooner we get, well, number one, we're going to do right by Matty Ice because we're going to send him to a team that's good, not, not, not in the NFC, but we're going to send him to the AFC in a team that he that he could be a good player on and potentially get another extension. So we did right by him. But as long as we got this money on the books, don't even talk to me about the future. He's hamstringing us. One guy is counting that much money towards the cap. You start talking about 30 and $40 million. That's, that's a bunch of players. You can you can get a bunch of players for that kind of money. So I think that they had to get him off Kevin and get him off the books. It's just I don't like the fact that they tried to use the Deshaun to get him off. I, I don't they didn't have to do that. Like, don't oh, we trying to get Deshaun Watson. Well, so is Carolina. And so is New Orleans. And so is Cleveland. And so is Denver. And so is the, the uh, uh Seattle. Do right by the greatest player in your franchise. Hey, man, it ain't it ain't it ain't working out. We're gonna sing you, we're gonna sing you the ending. And if you ever, if we ever have to play y'all in like a, uh, you know, regular season game, don't do us dirty. I know you're gonna try to kill us if you do. But so no, Kevin, it's it's how you do it. But um, Terry Fondo was saying, look, man, and I don't know if Arthur Blank is told him this. 
Let me show you what I can do with money. Because right now, since I got here, I got Kyle Pitts and no money to spend. That's, that's what I've been given. I got receivers playing running backs, right? I'm trying to I'm trying to fill out a roster <clears throat> with no money. So I think Kevin, they had to get him off the books. I just don't like the strategy of Deshaun Watson because you didn't get him. Thank God you didn't get him. Right. But you knew you were gonna have to get if if somebody if, if somebody's gonna have to get rid of a guy, it's always harder with the guys like Matty Ice. Matty Ice is not bigger than the business. Joe Montana played for Kansas City. Shaq played for the, for the Lakers, and when he, he thought he was gonna be in Orlando, things happen. How how you move on has a lot to decide about it. And I, and, and Terry Fonda was like, dude, we got to get Matty Ice off these. But dude, Matty Ice signed for what three big deals? He signed for a lot of money with Atlanta. So that last one, you knew it was gonna hurt him because I think he signed his like a couple of years after Julio signed his. Like, dude, that's too much money for two dudes. That's pushing forty. They're closer to forty than thirty. So they had they had to get rid of the Kevin, but I think that Terry Fontenot in 2023 in company, they're gonna have a lot of money, a lot more money on the books, because a lot of money is coming off the books, and you can see what type of team you can put together. But if you would have went out there and gave a guy who you know was not gonna play for you a the full, the biggest fully guaranteed contract in ever, how do you make that make sense to me? When's the last time yeah. that would be like Mike Trout signing for the biggest contract? in MLB history, and he's not going to play for the Angels for a year. What? He ain't going to play for us this year. But, yeah, when he come back. So you got to make it. If, if I'm giving a person that much guaranteed money, I need you every day on this field. But let that be the, the Browns' problem because that it might be more of a problem than, because if he does get suspended for more than they thought, that money is guaranteed. They might still have to be paying a dude that ain't even playing for and that ain't injured. Yeah, and that can – just ruin your franchise when you're playing guys that can't play for you at the end of the day. We got more to come here on three and out. We'll chat with rich Childs, host of the back nine boys golf show. When we return all across the Southern pigskin radio network. Hello, this is Chris Hatcher, head coach of the Sanford University Bulldogs, and you're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. have you back here three and out on the southern pigskin radio network kevin thomas ben troop glad you are making us a part of your day we are streaming live espncoastal.com also on facebook twitter and youtube and uh, each week on the show we talk golf with our next guest rich styles who joins us here on three and out rich welcome how are you i'm doing great guys hope you are yeah we're doing fantastic i know uh we've talked to you in the past and i know you get tired of talking about the live tour and i know a lot of uh, golf fans who enjoy the PGA Tour product get tired of talking about it as well, but they keep making news, and it seems like uh, these two leagues have some uh, some pettiness going back and forth. Every time there's a presser, a news drops from the other league and, and vice versa, but uh, you, you have an, uh, an event in the States. I think a lot of people here live tour. They think Saudi tour. They think these guys are playing in Saudi Arabia and you know 
Egypt, the Middle East, all over there. No, this is in Portland, Oregon uh, this week, and it, uh, it coordinates with, uh, yet again today, three more guys. You could say of little or no consequence uh, to the PGA Tour as a whole, but three more guys uh, leave uh, and, and move on to play on the Live Tour. Yeah, I mean, you know, yes, there is some more guys going. Um, but I think, you know, the bottom line, I mean, you have a guy like Bryson DeChambeau who said he was going to support the PGA Tour. And then two or three weeks later, at least it came out and told the truth that it was a business decision, meaning it's all about the money. I get more money and I don't have to play as much. But these guys are going to for the money, are going to make these moves. Matthew Wolf, he's been out injured. He may be coming back. Uh, the number two amateur, um, he's never played on the tour. He's played, you know, some mini tour events. He played in college. Uh, I mean, they're, they're all going for the money, and that's not going to change. And Rich, even sticking with that, I mean, you talk about the live tour. I mean, do they all they care about is getting the players and the publicity, right? Obviously, they got the money that nobody can really match the money that they're giving these players. But are they winning right now, as far as like the players and the publicity? That obviously they want it because the tournaments are always going to be lackluster because people, everybody, everybody might not tune in. But are they winning as far as like their overall strategy? I mean, no. I mean, I don't think the live tour. I mean, for, the format I think is not really great for viewing as a watcher, whether it be on the internet, I mean, which they didn't have many people watching, um, you know, it's a shotgun. So you eliminate a lot of the drama where they're all coming up and they're one shot behind. I mean, you don't know where anybody is. I mean, the winner could be on number four and uh, the potential winner could be on 17. Um, A shotgun start, they all start, they all finish roughly about the same time. Uh, I think the Live Tour is is probably going to be here for a lot longer than a lot of people would like that like the PGA Tour, like watching golf. Eventually, they'll probably be on TV somewhere. Um, it'll be interesting to see because the format, I think, is not good for viewing. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot of about the Live Tour that is going to be um, – a lack of besides the drama, but excitement for the fans. It'd be interesting to see how many fans show up at Portland this weekend. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean that's the the ultimate thing as to whether or not you get a a a partner to to, to put it on TV, right? Uh, Ridges, if people show up, obviously you start putting eyeballs on it. But my my kind of thought is, how do you think the PGA has handled it? I, I think to me, they've kind of been lackluster in their approach. It seems like a lot of the PGA fans and golfers have been like, okay, those guys are leaving. They're going for the money. It's been more to shame the guys as over the hill. They're not going to win majors. They're just, they're, they're kind of the twilight. They're taking the money grab. And now you're going after future talent, which I know one guy, as you said, uh, I had his name written down, Eugenio Shakara, I think plays at Oklahoma State. He's not played a professional tour, but he is the number two ranked amateur in the world. I mean, that is a talent that would have gone to the PGA Tour to try to uh, be one of those up-and-comers. Is there a point that you think the PGA Tour, and I guess the PGA Tour fans at large, if there's a move that's made that might actually have fans go, huh, I can't believe that guy left. And instead of, it seems like it's been kind of like, eh, it's not a big deal. That guy left, it's fine. And yet, more guys keep taking that jump. I think, you know, a lot of people might have been surprised with DJ, might have been surprised with Bryson. Um I don't think we're not surprised with Patrick Reed, who uh, 
um, you know, who left. And uh, by the way, Patrick Reed, you know, said, you know, a few months ago that PXG was the greatest company in the world, and he was proud to be part of their team. And now he is off their team, and I believe that's because of the owner, a former United States Marine, who is for the USA and for the PGA Tour. So Patrick Reed has lost his PXG sponsorship, which is no big deal to PXG, no big deal probably to Patrick Reed because of the money that he's spending. But, you know, the the bottom line is, yes, they're, they're taking some. Some will be a surprise. There'll probably be some more coming out to go. Uh, but the bottom line is that they're going for money. They're going for guaranteed money. And this year, there's only eight tournaments. Next year, there's going to be 12. The year after that, there's going to be 14 or 16. So, you know, these guys that are saying they want to play less, well, they may be going for the three or four years, but the Live Tour eventually is going to get up to, uh, you know, 18, 20 tournaments if you count in some of the other WGC events and some, uh, you know, these guys are going to be playing just as much as they were on the PGA Tour, except they're getting guaranteed money. That's a big deal to them, and that's the big step that the Live Tour has taken. I think the PGA Tour, which was your original question, I think the PGA Tour has been, should have responded to what they're doing now. They should have done that last year. Um, Phil called them excessively greedy. Uh, now they've come up with 160 some odd million dollars in additional monies for various tournaments, raising the prize money and some others. They could have done that last year when Lib was already talking about, and it would have been more proactive. And now I think it's more reactive. And, and Rich, obviously, uh, you have uh, you mentioned this on your show on, on 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 Saturday this past weekend. One of the hurdles that is going to come, uh, I think, right now everything's all good for the guys who have gone over because the majors are still in play. Augusta has said nothing. The, the open championship in July is like, yeah, they could play. Uh, it's fine. Is And I saw a couple of uh, articles today about they're trying to get involved in world uh, golf ranking points. Explain to folks why that matters. Uh, if, if guys have exemptions, but why world getting world golf ranking points, why does that matter? And if they get it, what kind of a big deal would that be? Well, if they get it, the big deal is going to be that that will help them get into some of the majors, will help them get into the Masters, because those are all based on world ranking points. And if they don't get world ranking points, which is still up in the air, they've applied for it, but they've not been approved for it yet. Um, By the way, PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan is on that committee to approve or not approve. Um, The... Interesting fact is, if they don't get approved, then these guys that are saying that they're leaving, then their majors are probably within a year or two, they're, they're going to be totally out of the world ranking about being able to play in any of these majors. Um, so there's still a lot of things up in the air. But I think right now the biggest point is, are they going to get world ranking points? And if they do, they're not going to be as much as a PGA Tour because they're only playing 54 holes compared to 72 holes. And Rich, with that being said, I mean, with the world rankings and different things, all these different factors, 
is this gonna open? Is this gonna open the door for for you know for some new faces, some new stars? The thing about the thing about golf that's different than any other sport, you can a new face could come along and be the face of it. It might not be for a year or two. Is this gonna pave the way for maybe some new faces to kind of come into the limelight, especially with those who are sticking with the PGA? Well, I think the biggest thing is if you know the world ranking points is everything. I mean, world ranking points get you into the majors, get you into the WGC events that are no cuts, that are a lot of money. Uh, you know, they, they get you into the Masters. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is people are wondering right now is will the Masters support the PGA Tour? They're an independent group that carry on their own tournament and uh, kind of also make up their own rules. Um, but will they support the PGA Tour? And what will the USGA do in the near future? What will the RNA do in the near future? So, those are some unanswered questions that I think those decisions are going to be coming up here in the next few weeks, maybe a few months. And I think that is going to make a big decision. These guys who went for the money, they'll say, okay, I got money, but now I can't play in the majors, which is really one of the reasons why I play, especially a guy like Brooks Kepka. That's the only reason he plays is for the majors. Right. Uh, Rich Styles back, Nine Boys Golf Show, joining us, Rich. And uh, you mentioned Jay Monahan uh, on the committee that could determine all that, obviously. I mean, is that conflict of interest? I don't know. Can they get it without his vote? Or is that pretty much tell you it's a done deal? It ain't happening. I mean, if the guy, if your competitor uh, has a vote as to whether or not you can get rankings points, I mean, that seems like a done deal. You're not going to get it, right? Well, I don't think it's a conflict of interest. I just think that he just happens to be. And the other, you know, Companies are also on that. I mean, the RNA has a representative. Masters has a representative. USGA has a representative. The DP World Tour. All of those folks have a voice and a vote. So what I don't know is, is it a unanimous decision or can it be four to two or, you know, five to three? Uh, so we don't know those particulars about the world ranking governing board. Uh, but I think there's a hurdle and, yes, they've applied for it, but, again, even if they get it, they're not going to get as many points as they will with a PGA Tour event. And even if they get approved because they don't get as much because they're only playing 54 holes, uh, that means they're not going to get enough points, and that may be that they may short some points because they're not getting in as many points as they need in a tournament in order to get into a major. And Rich, you mentioned that the PGA is already, you know, you, you know, you, you, you speak of they should have made these uh, punishments or sanctions a year ago. They, they, they giving that they, they raising more money for the, for the prize money and things of that nature. I know that you talk about as many tournaments. If you're on the live tour, you're gonna be playing even more golf. Is the PGA ready to stick with these type of sanctions for the, you know, for the, for the, I guess for as long as they're gonna be. Obviously, the PGA ain't going nowhere. Are they ready to stick with these sanctions? Excuse me, or do you see them caving one day and saying, you know what? Can can the Live Tour and the PGA coexist together? Well, Ben, I'm having a hard time hearing you, um, but um, I don't think it's going to change. I mean, I think the PGA Tour is going to continue to react. Um, uh, I, as I said, I wish they would have been more proactive, you know, six months to a year ago when they knew that Live was going to be an issue, especially with the amount of money that's behind that uh, tour. Um, uh, it, it, some things are still to be decided, and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the near future. 
but their format right now, to me, is not something that I would sit down and watch. Um, I may watch out of curiosity, but I probably wouldn't stay very long. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys at Golf Show. Our guest, Rich, appreciate the time. Okay, guys, thanks. Appreciate it. And you can hear Rich Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. And uh, Live Tour is in the States this week, in Portland, Oregon. So uh, you've got that going on, and you've got the John Deere Classic PGA Tour uh, stop, obviously, in the States as well, going on at the same time. Live Tour will be done on Saturday uh, with just three rounds, and obviously the PGA Tour running its uh, standard four-day event there. So, uh, yeah, I got three more guys. Matthew Wolf, who, uh, as uh, Rich said, 2019 NCAA champion, still just 23 years old, I think 57th in the world rankings, uh, something like that. And uh, Eugenio Chikara, number two amateur in the world. So, to me, you got names, maybe they're older names, but you're also going after younger talent, uh, Ben, probably not paying them as much, obviously. But now, can you develop names if you're getting young talent out on your tour? I think that's the other piece. And again, I I mentioned that to Rich because I see a lot of guys, and again, you can have your, your thoughts on it, but it seems every time a guy leaves, the thought from the common casual golf fan is fine that, well, how many of those guys can you just keep saying, well, this guy left and this guy left? You're like, well, that's fine. That guy's a jerk anyway. I was like, I, I don't think you can just keep saying that about everybody that leaves before you go, I mean, there's a reason. It is money, but, I mean, you keep losing guys. Guys that should be playing with you. Guys that should be making a name on your tour, and they're leaving. One, why are they leaving, and how many times can you just say, ah, that's okay? Well, I mean, I, I love Rich, but Rich was talking about, you know, guys like, you know, Bryce DeChambeau or different guys, Brooks Kepler, whomever, they're only playing. No, no, no. No, all the guys in professional golf play for the money. All of them. Not just not just some. I get some play for majors. Sure. But once again, Kevin, I got tired of playing golf for free, so I got my pro card, and I got on the PGA Tour. The problem is I got into this thing to make as much money as I can. Yeah, it's great to be number one. It's great to be ranked number one in the world and all these different things. But that help. at the end of the day, Kevin, you're giving me – if I got $100 million, oh, I'm the best in the world. I don't care what you say because my bank account is a reflection of that. Yeah, we got I'm more – hey, we got more to come. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back to 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas here with you. And Ben True, final hour coming up right around the corner. We'll hear from Roddy Jones, ESPN college football analyst, former Georgia Tech running back, the ACC going divisionless. And we'll get you ready for Braves and Phillies coming up. I will have coverage starting at 5.50. So uh, that's coming up here later. And, of course, a lot of Freddie Freeman news out there as well, kind of confirming what we all knew. We'll get to that and more coming up. Final hour, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Great to be back. Final hour of three and out on this Tuesday. Braves and Phillies coming up 5.50. We'll have pregame coverage. Charlie Morton, Zach Wheeler on the bumps, uh, respectively, as the uh, – NL East foes get together. Braves are five behind the Mets, but three games ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, ben, we'll get to that here in just a moment. Roddy Jones will join us coming up in about 15 minutes. ESPN college football analyst and former Georgia Tech running back as the ACC makes a decision to go divisionless uh, coming up in 2023 and how that affects uh, the league. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But Braves getting ready uh, for the Phillies. Ben, Freddie Freeman, the big news, fired his agent today. So you have the big, teary homecoming with Atlanta, the, the, the sobbing, the crying, and then you fire your agent. 
uh, over the, obviously the way it all went down. I mean, this is a strange look for a professional athlete, Ben. Again, I'm trying to put a parallel of a guy who wound up on another team, wanted to be with the team he was, he was with, had the choice to stay with the team he with, and now it's like the jilted ex-lover uh, wanting to come back uh, after you're, you're with somebody else. It's just a strange situation. I mean, the only parallel I can think is maybe, maybe, maybe Antonio Brown when he left Pittsburgh and they had to go out there with the Raiders, even though they gave him his money because you know it was going to be something different. But this was such a different situation in so many ways, Kevin. A guy like Freddie Freeman that meant so much uh, with so many. So I just think that at the end of the day, Kevin, our suspicions were made were made true. We thought that he wanted to be a brave for life. He. He proved to us he wanted to be a brave for life. So now all, all the age you got left now is to get it right when Dansby Swanson, uh, uh, time for him to get paid, which is coming up here very, very soon. Yeah, and uh, Dansby said he's not leaving. He said not the Braves. He, he said, I'm not leaving that agency. Uh, they're my agent. Whatever they did with Freddie is what they did with Freddie. So he said he's not leaving his agency, but the Braves obviously have a negotiation coming up with, uh, with Dansby Swanson in the near future. But Freddie firing that agent. Uh, earlier today. Let's go to the phones. we got our guy AC on the line. AC, what's happening? Good afternoon. Thank you so much for taking my call. You know, Mr. Freddie Freeman, he delivered the championship for you for your Atlanta Braves uh, last season after 12 years. This team won the championship in 1995, and last year they won a championship, so that means, what, 20, probably 21 years after, if I'm not mistaken? And he shed some tears over the weekend. Well, that's not shedding any that tears is a tear of joy. He left this garbage Braves team a one-hit wonder. They're not going to win any more championship until we have a next president of some sort. Let's face it, guys. Your Braves doing just one-hit wonder. It was the fluke championship they won in 2021. Come on, let's be honest. Cubs, they do it the nice way. The losers like the Braves, they look like they cheated. What do you guys think, Ben and Kevin? Don't you think they cheated? I think you sound like a Mets fan, AC. Is what uh, what I sound, what, what I think you sound like. Well, if, if you think I sound like a Mets fan, <laughs> you got to educate yourself. I'm a certified bandwagon fan. I don't care about the Mets. No, that's the worst. That's the worst. <laughs> that is the literally <laughs> worst. That, that, that's, that is literally the worst, AC. Don't be a bandwagon fan. Bandwagon fans are the worst because you're the guys coming around. And go, I told you, Steph, and then we're going to win another. No. You're always claiming championships because you're on the hot team of the minute. You can't say, come on. That's ridiculous. Ba- bad take. No, no, no. That's that's horrible. That's ba- I'm, I'm hanging up on him. That's, that's terrible. Come on here. T- talking about the Braves are trash. I'm a bandwagon fan. Get out of here. Ace, listen, Ace, no, I'm serious. Ace, what is that? I, they, those guys are the worst. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm about to go. I'm ben, ben, hold on, hold on. But I will say this. I, AC just did something, Kevin, that has never happened. No. AC admitted to being a bandwagon. No, it is. No, I'm serious. Look, listen, I, I, I know. Listen, listen. Those are the worst. Like Colin yeah. Cowherd is this way. He's like, I go for, I go for interesting, i.e., teams that win. Like, stop that. Stop it. Like, no, no. Go for teams that you like. Root. Be a fan. Don't be a bandwagon fan. Like, you're the guy that's like, oh, I got my Celtics and my Milwaukee Bucks jersey in the closet. <laughs> Just stop. You guys are the worst. Like the, the, the teams are like, oh, I love the Cowboys, except when the, uh, you know, except when Tom Brady goes to Tampa. I'm a Tom Brady fan. I love the Patriots and the I'm a, a Bucks fan. Shut up. Pick a team. That's all I'm going to say. Awful. No, no, it's terrible. Right. 
Because, no, you're so, right. Because th- that's the epitome. Like bandwagon fans are gonna come out. The Braves are trash because they won. They're defending world champions. You're you're a team jumper. Shut up. And hold on, hold on. And, and, and then AC said, "Quote: <laughs> They're they they one hit one of their flash in the pan. They cheated. No, the Astros really cheated. Yeah, the Astros cheated. They got caught, and they haven't won anything since. Yeah, they're trash. Right? If you sold trash cans <laughs> in the city of Houston a couple of years ago, boy, you retired. I'm just saying. I know that was a bad so, take. So I'm just, yeah, yeah. AC, listen, AC, we love you all. You know, I always appreciate you listening to calling in. Next but level Braves are, Listen, if the Braves are flashing the pan, one hit wonder, and they won the division the last four years in a row, what does that make the Phillies? What does that make the Mets? What does that make the Nationals? What does that make the Marlins? <laughs> No, no, no. The Houston Astros knew the only way we could do it is through signals, cameras, and trash cans, and they ain't won nothing since. They are a flash in the pan. They should not even, I mean, even though they got not even a slap on the wrist, the Braves are one of the fabrics of the bigs. And and if you think the Mets going to win it all this year, sadly mistake. I think AC would call in the show back when Tom Brady was going to the Super Bowl every other year and be like, Tom Brady and the Patriots are trash. Like, at some point, like, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but, like, at some point, you just got to sit back and go, well, dang, he keeps doing it. Like, that's AC what it is. Does, that's what it AC is. doesn't like dynasties. That means that the Bulls, six championships, trash. <laughs> Kobe, and, Kobe and Shaq, trash. Uh, uh, Popovich and uh, the Spurs, trash. And don't even – and don't listen, that means that he really think the Yankees are trash. Now, yeah. I can live with that take, even though it's not true. <laughs> Takes a lot of pair of shoes when you're front running all the time. That's all I'm gonna say. That man got a closet. That man got yeah. a closet full of jerseys because whoever's hot, I'm pulling it out. Yeah, the uh, the tread wears off the shoes when you're front running all the time. It really, really does. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy to to to, to jump yeah, fan bases. I'm like a, I'm a ba- I'm, I'm who else good at the time? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Who's <ever> good? <laughs> so you were cheering for the Cubs not too many years ago. The Royals not too many years ago. Come on. No, I I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. But as he said, I will say this. Freddie Freeman, look, he he messed up. We've talked about that. As you said, we got confirmation today. Braves country, everybody got confirmation today over what we all knew. He wanted to be a Braves life. You come back to Atlanta, and he said, AC said, shed a few tears. No, those buckets, buckets of tears uh, there the entire weekend. And, and it's obvious he wanted to be there. It messed up. And as I said, now we're number one, Ben. You never make ultimatums to the guy that's holding the money, right? Because he's already got it. I don't, I don't, you don't go to Alex Anthopoulos and go, you got an hour. No, Alex Anthopoulos can come to you and say, you have an hour because we can move on. We have the money. You want the money, right? I mean, so uh, d- dangerous game played by the agent. He gets fired, but Dansby did come out and respond and say, nope, I'm sticking with him. They're still, still my agent. And there will be a negotiation coming up with the Atlanta Braves really soon because he's on a one-year arbitration contract. So that's going to be happening in the future. Does that give you pause, Ben, when you say, look, you had a publicly bad, I don't know if it's a bad deal, but you had a bad dealing with an agency. I know people like to say, well, just be professional, right? Be professional. You're not going to like everybody. I think there is professional, but... You had an agency come to you with your star player and give you an ultimatum. And you gave, in the light of day, you gave him a fair deal. It wasn't, like, I could see an agent say, listen, come on, man. You're offering $18 million a year for a guy that's worth, you know, $20, 30000000 whatever. Okay, you didn't undercut him that bad. 
So I, I wonder what the posture of Alex Anthopoulos and that Braves front office is towards that agency right now saying, I mean, are we going to gonna have to do this again? Like, are we, are we going to be negotiating with Dansby and then you're going to come in and say you got 30 minutes, yes or no? Is that, is that how we're going to play it? Like, I mean, I, w- I would wonder what the, uh, the temperature of the room, Braves front office is right now about dealing with those guys. I think I think uh, I think all the nervous, you know, it's still it's still with Anthopolis and company, Kevin. Because like you said, when when the agent of Freddie Freeman tells Alice Anthopolis you got an hour, uh, bro, we already gave. We just waiting on the yes or no. We're not giving you more money. We've already offered you the contract. We're waiting on you to say yay or nay. Well, he wants the extra year. We're not giving the extra year right now. Those type of things can be negotiated down the line. Freddie Freeman wanting to be a brave for life. It is your job to make that happen. Just because we ain't giving him the numbers that he won't don't mean we ain't giving him what he's earned. There's there's two totally different things. So now with Dansby Swanson, when they have to call, he can be like, hello, is this Alex? Uh, Yeah, my number has not changed. What do you want? Man, Dansby say you want to be a brave for life. Does he? Because we got a number in mind. And uh, <laughs> you got an hour to give it to him. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, so I, I mean, I, and I think this is a different situation uh, that yeah, will be coming yeah. up with Dansby because Dansby is an Atlanta guy. I mean, Freddie Freeman was a California kid. The Braves drafted him in the second round. He came up through the organization. I get it. Uh, came up through the Braves organization. Played a long time. Dansby wasn't drafted by the Braves. Braves got him through a trade. Came up through the farm system uh, a little bit uh, that way. Then came on the scene and has been playing. Uh, at a big league level, and is a hometown guy. I wonder how much of a difference that makes. Hey, I'm from Atlanta, playing in Atlanta. Look, contrary to popular belief, not everybody wants to stay in their hometown, right? I mean, sometimes, but I can imagine for as much travel as those guys do, it would be more appealing to stay in a hometown where you know everybody, you know a lot of folks, you grew up there 81 nights a year, you're in in Atlanta, offseason can be at home, and you travel the rest of the time through training. I, I would imagine that would be very appealing to guys like Matt Olson, which obviously was a Michael Harris when it comes to that, a Dansby Swanson. Now, you take a guy like Austin Riley. Austin Riley's from Mississippi. He he might be like, I'm going to get what I can get. I don't know this. I'm, I'm just saying. He's like, but he has no, other than it's the team that got him and he came up with, he probably has no underlying affinity for the city of Atlanta if he could go play in, you know, say Houston or St. Louis or somewhere that's closer to his home. Might have a little more affinity there. So I think for Dansby, that's going to be the interesting one where it's like you probably really enjoy playing in Atlanta, probably really would like to stay. How does that impact negotiate? You probably want to stay more than Freddie does potentially. So I'm not not speaking for him, but I'm saying as a hometown guy, I I would imagine you grew up watching the Braves, Braves fan, you're playing for him. You're the shortstop, potentially the all-star shortstop of a world champion Atlanta Braves. There's going to be a lot of pull to – to keep you there, Danny Swanson. I mean, outside of what, maybe a couple of years in college, Kevin. I mean, he's. I mean, in AAA, he's literally spent all his all his adolescent, teenage life, and adult life in Atlanta. He don't know nothing else, and that's the dream, right? I want to make it to the bigs. I'm from I'm from the city of Atlanta. I would love to play for the Braves. So Matt Olson, Danny Swanson, Michael Harris. You know, these dudes are living the freaking dream, and they're on a team that matters, playing a position that matters. So I, Danny's gonna say, look, man. At the end of the day, I'm going to make a lot of money. I've won a World Series. I want to retire brave. Make it happen. 
because Alice Anthopoulos people did his job. He did it for Freddie Free, and he's going to do it for Dansby. If this agent don't get it right this second time, you will be losing another client. <laughs> I guess that is guaranteed if you don't get this right. Yeah, it been just an absolute uh, whirlwind the last week involving uh, Freddie Freeman. Then he had the Clayton Kershaw comments. Ben, I know you said as a, uh, a player, I think a lot of the Dodgers, maybe rightfully so, Clayton Kershaw on a podcast saying, hey, we got a pretty good team over here. I hope we're not second fiddle. Like, you're playing baseball for us. And you're doing it at a high level, but deep down, we all know you wish you were somewhere else. I know in professional sports, that can be tough when you know, hey, we got a good teammate. He plays good, but he may not want to be there. I mean, we see it a lot in the NBA and some other you know places like that. We have, hey, he's a good player. He's playing well. It's not affecting his play, but he doesn't really want to be here. How do we vibe his teammates uh, at that point? I think that's it. I mean, I know you said, hey, it may not be a big deal, but I, yeah. I just find that no, fascinating. No, no, no. Well, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. I think Clayton Kershaw is making it a big deal because he's saying things he's supposed to say in private, in public. And he and you, Clayton Kershaw, everything you say holds weight to it. When I played for the Titans, Jeff Fish would always tell us, remember what I said about that player? What player? That's right, because I didn't say it. See, I can think whatever I want to think, but once I open up my mouth, I leave no doubt. Clayton, please be quiet, because at the end of the day, they're going to be talking about things that ain't got nothing to do with, you know, you guys getting out there. The man was there for 12 years. If Clayton Kershaw left the Dodgers, it's going to be a big deal when he comes back to Dodgers Stadium. Like, Clayton Kershaw, the man cried. Yeah, but, but, I, but I think it's different because now you've had a lot of public show of how much he probably really wants to be there, right? I, yeah. I, I think there's yeah. no question that Freddie Freeman wishes he was still playing first base for the Atlanta Braves. I'm not, saying, that, that, I'm I'm not saying he's not being paid – handsomely by Los Angeles, and he plays for the Dodgers. But I think everybody in that Dodger clubhouse, now no, you fired your agent. You just saw the outpouring of emotion. Like, he was already an emotional mess at a press conference before he ever got out on the field. And you know you have a guy on your team who's locked in, long contract, would rather be somewhere else. I, I think that's an interesting dynamic. Listen, at the end of the day, right? <laughs> I mean, he plays for the Kevin, Dodgers. I get it, but Kevin Jeff Bezos was at a party with his lady, right? Jeff, Be these Jeff Bezos. Yeah, she saw Leonardo DiCaprio, his lady, and she lost it. <laughs> now think about this. Listen, listen. One guy is one of the richest men on the planet. The other guy is a great actor, handsome guy. All right. I'm telling you, you say whatever you want to say until you're in front of him. I, Freddie Freeman, I'm going to come back to the Braves. It's going to be cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the press conference. It's going to be cool. He got off that plane, and it wasn't the same. So all I'm saying is he's just showing real emotion. Yeah. Because you know what Clayton Kershaw is saying? If I left the Dodgers, would y'all show me love like this? Leave <laughs> the team. <laughs> That's probably some of it. Hey, we'll come back. Roddy Jones waiting in the wing. He'll join us next here on 3 and Out. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. The ACC, Ben, uh, today said, hey, we're doing away with divisions after this next college football season, and we're just going to go play 3-5-5. Three, five, five. three commons, five rotating. We're going to play everybody through uh, the conference. We're going to do that relative, relatively quickly. We're going to do it in 2023. And joining us here to, uh, to talk about that, former Georgia Tech running back, ESPN college football analyst, Roddy Jones joins us here on the show. Roddy, welcome. How are you? I'm great, guys. Appreciate you having me. How are you guys? All right, we're doing fantastic. Uh, so the ACC makes its decision. It's going to be after this college football season. Why go uh, to that model? What's the uh, importance of uh, of ditching the divisions? 
Well, uh, there was, you know, there was a lot of talk coming out of spring meetings that this is the way they were going to go. As soon as the NCAA got rid of its requirement that you play, that you have divisions to play a championship game if you had over, I believe it's 10 teams. Um, so the, the reason that you would do it quickly is quite honestly to get matchups and to get out of the, there's no reason to keep it, honestly. Like we've gotten to the point where with eight conference game and 14 teams, uh, the, the infrequency, we've kind of seen the full cycle of the infrequency that you play people. And the fact that, you know, Duke had, didn't play Clemson for the first, whatever, 12 years or something like that, or play at Clemson first, like 12 years of, of, of the new situation uh, was one of those things like, and every school had that. It was one of those things that I thought, I think people found untenable. It's better for the student athlete getting the experience to play every school in your conference uh, getting a chance to play every at every school in your conference, that's a better experience for the student-athlete. And then if you're thinking about, you know, college football playoff possibility, you want the best teams playing in the, in the conference championship game, so you have that possibility as well. Uh, but there were too many reasons to get rid of it um, for it not to happen. The Pac-12 is going to it this year. You've got, uh, you've got, you know, a number of other conferences. The Mountain West announced that they were going to it next year. I think you're going to see the vast majority of conferences go through something like this and get rid of the divisions. Roddy, what school benefits the most from something like this? I think a lot of times we get – you see what Wake and Pitt were able to do last year with great quarterback play. But what teams that don't usually – you don't usually see having a shot to actually go play in Charlotte is going to benefit from getting rid of divisions? Uh, every team in the Atlantic division um, benefits from it the, the most because – over the last decade, the Atlantic Division has been dominated by Florida State and Clemson. And that Florida State team was a national championship caliber team. And then you had an ascending power in Clemson, which then became a national championship power caliber team. Uh, so if you were not a national championship caliber team, with the exception of 2021, you were not winning that division. Like, you had to be good enough to make it to the college football playoff to win that division. Uh, and you had some really good NC State teams during that time. You had some good Wake Forest teams. And Wake Forest obviously able to break through, um, break through last year because of, of Clemson and their inability uh, to, to, to maintain that level. But every team in the Atlantic Division benefits the most from this. The Coastal is rotated where seven teams won in seven years. And if you want to throw in eight different teams played in from the Coastal Division because you want to include Notre Dame in 2020, I am 100% okay with that. So – uh, if you want to go with an individual team right now, it's probably Wake Forest or NC State, the way that they're built. Um, but Louisville's recruited well, so down the line it could be them. I mean, it, it, but, but every team in that division now sees itself with a shot uh, to at least get to the championship game. Roddy, does that uh, help your playoff chances, not only in the short term, because obviously you'll have the two potentially highest-rated teams playing each other in the uh, in the championship game, but obviously it looks like there could be expansion. Is that help ensure that you would get multiple teams in some kind of expanded format as well? Um, yeah, I guess. Um, look, the, the truth of the matter is you're not going to be able to manufacture getting multiple teams. Teams have to be good enough to make the college football playoffs. And even if you go to 12, um, were there a handful of years where the ACC probably gets two in? Um I think that probably happens regardless of divisions, but it certainly doesn't hurt you. So, uh, you know, in this situation, you know, if you have a team that's, that's a, 
that's a you know a ten win NC State team that's playing a, a an eleven win or a twelve win Clemson team in the national in the conference championship game. Um, you know, I think that that whoever loses that game, if it's not the higher ranked team, is still going to kind of be on that bubble. Um, so maybe in some ways it helps. Although I think with going to twelve, a team that would have gotten in, um, a team that would have gotten in before is is, is even if we, even if they stuck with divisions, probably gets in anyway. So I'm not sure it helps as much as people want to make a team like it. But it certainly doesn't hurt you, uh, you know, playing with the two best teams in the in the conference championship game. And Ryder, you talked you talked earlier about you know a lot of teams getting away from divisions, but it's all but you know we, we live in a world today. It's all about who kind of started the trend. If the ACC seems to be doing this before everybody else, it kind of feel good to see the ACC, whether it's perceived or not, kind of leading the way when you look when when you look at all the different changes going on in today's uh, world of college football. Yeah, I, I think it definitely does. You know, uh, the ACC for for so long, um, you know, John Swafford was a more conservative uh, commissioner, and and I think you had a lot of commissioners that were, you know, been in it for a long time or a little more conservative. I, I like that the ACC is sort of taking the bold move of being out there first. Now, again, like it was it was sort of a no brainer. Had they not done it, we would have started to question the leadership of the conference a little bit. The fact that they announced it so soon, and then they announced the matchups through 2026 in the conference, that's cool. Like People can start to market to that. Coaches can start to recruit to that as well, which, uh, which I think is, uh, is very beneficial. So, so I do like that the ACC was not timid in this. They, weren't, you know, they didn't waffle on what was going to happen. They made a decision that they were going to go to it, probably made it months ago, figured out who those divisional or, or who those permanent uh, games were going to be, those permanent rivals were going to be. And then, uh, and then once you figured out the rest of the schedule, you go ahead and announce it. So, so I I, uh, I like that the ACC was out front. Although, you know, I mean, the, and the Pac-12 ditched divisions and said, "Hey, we're going to this right now," uh, as soon as the NCAA voted on it. So, while the Pac-12 didn't like announce their schedule after 2026, the Pac-12 was the one that really was out ahead of this thing. Roddy Jones, ESPN College Football Analyst, joining us here. How much of what they're trying to do now, and as you said, it was interesting. They put out the schedule for four years. I think that's when the college football playoff uh, current format runs out. Also, I believe right about the time Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC. Are there moves the ACC is looking at doing? Do you think there'll be some reaction once Oklahoma and Texas actually jump in? They'll be the only conference with 16, I believe, at that point. Do you believe the ACC is exploring those options, or do you really feel like 14 slash 15, uh, depending on how you view Notre Dame, as, as we said, uh, is that where they want to be? Is that where they want to live? Um, I think it's where they're going to have to live, to be honest with you. The, every league should be looking out for partners now. But the issue is, you know, if you're going to if, – if, if you're going to pay out, let's say the ACC pays out $50 million a year to its constituents this year, if you're going to add a team, they have to bring $50 million worth of value your TV contract, and there aren't that many teams out there that do that. None of them in the ACC footprint. So, um, and 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 none of them, uh, in the, none of them that, that that are in the ACC footprint are not in the SEC or the Big Ten uh, or Notre Dame, who has no real legitimate reason that has changed to, to jump in the ACC. So, so, no, I think 14 teams is where the ACC is going to be, and that's why I think in the ACC be aggressive. And they're going to the scheduling model and protecting some of those matchups that would project out 
marquee and, and sort of taking some bets with the permanent rivals that some of these schools will catch on and maybe form some rivalries. That's why I think the ACC has to be forward-thinking in some of this stuff because they're at a, they're at a massive disadvantage when it comes to the TV contract of the Big Ten, or what the Big Ten's going to sign for, of the SEC, obviously, with the inventory that they're going to have with Oklahoma and Texas coming over, and the bump in revenue that they're going to get from ESPN's deal to take over their number one game every week. Um, the ACC has to really be out in front of this stuff and be uh, and think outside the box with the 14 teams that they have. And right. That being said, I mean, when you look every every conference is top heavy. Every every conference uses certain teams as the pusher of the conference. I know Clemson has been that pusher of the ACC as of late. Even though Pitt and obviously our Wake Forest did what they did last year. What teams have to become more of a consistent contender in their eyes of of, of just onlookers? Does it have to be Miami? Does it have to be North Carolina? Does it have to be uh you know Florida State? Is, are there teams not named Clemson that can help boost that reputation to get more? To that forward thinking, as you keep mentioning, one thousand um, percent. And look, it's no secret on who it is. It's number one and one A. It's Miami and Florida State. Like the entire conference was set up around those two teams playing in the championship game. Clemson was an afterthought when the divisions were formed in terms of what was going to happen and who was going to play in the championship game. Um, so, so Miami and Florida State are one and one A. But the, for the for the league to be at its best. Miami and Florida State have to get back to where they are. And I think Miami will get there. It's almost, uh, I don't want to say it's, it's inevitable, but the investment that they've made in the football program, it would make it very disappointing, more disappointing than it's been. It would make it very disappointing if they're not. If that happens and Florida State lags behind, like their fans are going to go crazy. So you'd expect them to get better. But I think the league needs Wake Forest to maintain its, its success for, for you know, the better part of a decade. Um, so that it becomes that sort of Northwestern when, where when you see them in the championship game, you're like, yeah, it's kind of, it's not something that happens every year, but it's not strange to see Wake Forest in the championship game. I think the, the, the other three that are massive for the league are Virginia Tech, UNC, and NC State. NC State's long been a sleeping giant. They've got a great fan base, and I think with consistent success, that can grow into a brand because it is a, it's, a, it's a great fan base. It's a great stadium, and they've got, uh, they've got the type of, of alumni, the, the large enough group of alumni where they can really get it going. UNC is a national brand, and they've recruited really well. They've got the coach, uh, and Mac Brown is recognizable, so I think they're big. And then Virginia Tech is sort of the next tier of that brand after the, the first three, Clemson, Florida State, Miami. Virginia Tech's the next tier of that brand that once they get good, people will recognize and be like, okay, that's legit. Um, those are really the ones that, that, that stand out to me um, because they're sort of in the footprint that loves football, cares about football, and have enough of a, uh, of a brand to, uh, to, to really resonate nationally. I was going to say, Roddy, as, as you talk about trying to get those matchups, you said grow some of those matchups that have that you know, national uh, appeal. Were you surprised that Virginia Tech-Miami was kind of a, a casualty of the uh, every year playing each other uh, at the end of the day? That seems like one that goes back – to the Big East days, into the ACC, they were in the same division that might have been one worth preserving, but they, but they didn't. Are you surprised? Um, a little bit, not not a hundred percent surprised by that. Like because you just if you start to tinker with the schedule enough, like if you substitute somebody out for Virginia Tech and Miami, you have to sub, you have to you have to make concessions elsewhere. And I think when you move, start to move all those. 
um, it starts to get a little complicated. I think they wanted to preserve another Big East rivalry that's closer to Virginia Tech with Virginia Tech and Pitt. Like, that feels like one that should play each other every year because of proximity, because of history. And, yes, they've had some great games with Miami that are a little more recognizable. But Miami is so far from everybody else that they kind of got stuck with a few others um, and, and and they got a they got one of their old Big East rivals in Louisville. Like the, the, they had they played some some great games in the 2000s. They weren't as good at the same time uh, as Miami and Virginia Tech were. But but I think when you go down sort of the, the iterations and the permutations, you, once you start to sub one out for another, um, you're having to make concessions in other ways. And I think the preservation of Virginia Tech and uh, and Pitt probably topped Virginia Tech and Miami. And then you got Louisville and Miami. And honestly, the other thing that we don't know is what the schools were asking for. If I'm Louisville, I was asking for Miami because they do so much recruiting in South Florida that I want to play Miami so that I can go down and tell those recruits, hey, every other year you're going to get to play in front of your home fans. So maybe there was some of that on the back end from Louisville saying, hey, we would rather Miami if you're going to talk about, uh, talk about some, of those, uh, some of those old Big East rivals. And Roddy, I mean, with all that being said, I mean, you talk about forward thinking, you talk about the ACC kind of, you know, teams like NC State being sleeping giants, teams like Miami and Florida State have to get back to being a, a you know, just a, just a, uh, 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 you know, a contender that is nationally recognized. Do you think the ACC is in a position to get this thing right? Because when it comes to the P5s, the ACC is competing with the SEC because of location. Do you think they can start competing with the SEC with the teams? Because they got the coaches, they got the brand names. Can they compete if they do put all this thing together and kind of get it right? Um, well, I think it depends on what you what your definition of compete is. Um, if you're talking about like national brands and how we perceive the leagues and all that stuff, I don't know. Like the SEC has all the headwinds that's going to be uh, sorry, all the tailwinds that are associated with the, a, a, a conference that's won as many national championships the last twenty years as they have. Uh, but but in terms of the on field product, I think the ACC is making strides. Uh, the SEC has and will continue to have better players than the ACC because of the academic standards of the ACC, because of the resources of the ACC. But does that mean that the teams can't be competitive on one Saturday in during the fall? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. So I, I think the ACC needs to get the teams that are capable of recruiting on the same level of the SEC teams. Those have to be good as good as the second-tier SEC teams. Like, maybe not Alabama on its best year, LSU on its best year, but when those teams are not on their best year, and, and you know, where Kentucky is every year, and where Tennessee was, uh, you know, last year, and, and, and will probably be this year, those teams should compete at least with that and then have a chance to be national champions. And then the rest of the league kind of has to be consistent. That's the thing that this league has lacked. It's had great peaks for most of its schools and then great valleys. Think of Syracuse with a 10-win season in 2018. They haven't done anything since. So you need the consistency. You can't just be one-hit wonders, which is what the ACC has kind of been. But you're fighting a, an uphill battle with the resources. So it, the ACC has to be more efficient. they got to be more nimble. And they got to be uh, a little creative in the way that they do things. Roddy Jones joining us here on 3 and Out. Roddy, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yeah, guys, appreciate y'all. Appreciate it. Roddy Jones joining us, ESPN College Football uh, Analyst and uh, former Georgia Tech running back uh, joining us here on the show. We'll come back, get you ready for some Braves baseball. Braves and Philly starting off a series 
uh, this evening. We'll get to that next. Three and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Thanks for joining us here on Three and Out. Real short segment as we get you ready for the Braves and the Phillies. No Ronald Acuna Jr. tonight. He is out still nursing that ankle. Kenley Jansen on the DL or IL with that uh, irregular heartbeat. We wish him the best. But Charlie Morton, Zach Wheeler coming your way next. We'll see you tomorrow on Three and Out.